a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. All right, I think we got uh, David Waters on with us now from the Gator Breakdown Podcast. Uh, David, uh, good evening. How are you, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Just yeah, the buzz in Jacksonville is still big for this one. <laughs> yep, yep, the buzz in Jacksonville. You're right about that. Um, well, I'm going to let Robbie uh, – we've got a question of the week that we usually like to do, so we're going to jump into that. David's going to join us for uh, that conversation. So, Rob, um, start us off with the uh, question of the week and maybe uh, read off a couple of those uh, answers from uh, from our listeners. Okay. And also, um, David, feel free to uh, bash, belittle, or you know, really like any of these answers, okay? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, CJ Williams – um, uh, I know he listens to your show, David, um, but he was the best man in my wedding. Um, love this guy. His answer is um, first is Florida, Georgia. Second is Ohio State versus Michigan. Third is Florida State or Florida, Florida State. Um, number four is the Bayou Classic, Grambling State versus Southern. And then fifth is the Iron Bowl with uh, Bama and Auburn. Um, I love I love that he I love that he included the um, the Bayou Classic with yeah. Grambling and and, uh, and Southern. Yeah, I like that too. Um, tell you what, yeah, I, I like that list. When do you want me to go into mine? Did you did you have more? Oh yeah, I've got. I'm surprisingly, I have several this week. Um, okay. Yeah, let's let's go through this. Um, we got Joseph here, um, listener, um, communicator on Twitter, which I appreciate. He says Army, Navy, Notre Dame, USC, the Golden Shillelagh, um, Ohio State, Michigan, um, Oklahoma, Texas, and he said the last one I really struggle with. And I definitely agree. It's it's hard to come up with just five, um, but that's a pretty solid list. Um, of course, I I like the Notre Dame USC aspect, and the Army Navy game is so aesthetically it's so freaking gorgeous. Have you guys ever had a chance to watch that game? Watch it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch it all the time. Not I'd love to do it in person. You know, in Jacksonville, being a Navy town, they've they've thrown around the idea of trying to get it uh, in, in Jacksonville for one you know, <laughs> years. They move it around a bit. I know Jacksonville stole their hats uh, in, in the. Or you know their name in the hat, uh, you could say, and I don't know, you know, where it would currently stand, but I know, you know, I know Jacksonville tried to make a move for that game before. That's I think, cool. I think what I love, I would I agree with you, David. I would love to be at that game, but I think what what I love most about it is it's usually always snowing yeah. when, when that game happens, and just like, and they always like have both of them have these elaborate, detailed new uniforms just for this game. Um, kind of wish that more teams would embrace like, hey, we're going to have new uniforms for this game every year, um, but. Every traditional, every traditionalist would hate me for that. Because Florida and Georgia play on Halloween, you want Georgia in black and Florida in orange? Oh, uh, yes. Um, oh, my long, gosh. You know what? Let's do this. David, we'll, don't, don't we'll feed go to back. this, David. Why don't we please. go back to those, and I know you hate them too, David, those absolutely hideous green crocodile uniforms. Yeah, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see what happens when you feed into it, David? <laughs> see what happens? Yeah. The lasting image of that game in that jersey is like Felipe Franks looking like a giraffe, you know, 90 yard touch or 90 yard run that he doesn't score on. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, next is um, uh, Cody Dan. Um, he says uh, Georgia, Florida, um, uh, the Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn, Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, USC. And he put Georgia Auburn. He says it was hard to put the deep South, deep South's oldest rivalry in there over Red River, um, but it means more to me. And that was the deciding factor. Um, and then uh, we got three more, and we'll be done. Uh, Brandon Parker, who um, uh, does listen to the show, as he put here in his comment as well. Uh, Georgia, Florida, um, Auburn, Alabama, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Auburn Navy, 
or I'm sorry, Army, Navy, and then Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, he had some honorable mentions, Georgia, Auburn, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and then Iowa, Iowa State. Um, my, my, my friend Ashley Carter put, uh, you're talking about comic fan battle? Because I put C- <laughs> T- CFB. So he said comic fan battle. Uh, I'm going to put it here because he put it. Superman versus the Sentry, Batman versus Iron Man, Beast Boy versus Aquaman, Joker versus Green Goblin, and Rick Grimes versus Leon Kennedy. Um, actually, Wait, I love from Res- so much. Say again? Leon Kennedy from Resident Evil? Yes, Leon Kennedy versus Rick Grimes. Okay. I can actually dig it pretty well. Um, so, uh, David, you start us off, man. You're the guest tonight. What, what are what are, what are are your, and you don't have to put them in any order, but like, what are your five five that you just love? All right, Florida, Georgia, I'll put there. That is my favorite. I, I grew up in, in South Georgia uh, and, you know, an hour and a half north of Jacksonville. I'm from Jacksonville. My family's in Jacksonville. So that game, you know, it, it's personal for me on, on many levels. Uh, it was, you know, it was the, the closest road. I mean, Gainesville's not far from, you know, where we I grew up in South Georgia. So I can make the trip to Gainesville, but it was still the closest drive that I could watch Florida play and then watch it with a lot of my friends who are Georgia fans, uh, Georgia fans at the same time. So, you know, different levels for that game for me. Uh, it, it, it is tops um two i'll go i'll go red river i love oklahoma texas um it, it is kind of funny I, I i will rank at least those two right there funny that they're both neutral site games uh in the in the in the stadium split split 50 50 that game just has so much drama year in and year out and one of those games you really can throw out the record calls it just uh it, it delivers almost every single year and it's a lot of times it's uh just a team either storming back or a team that's the underdog and ends up just blowing out the other team. It's uh, I, I love that game, what it brings to the table. Uh, Army-Navy was said, of course, that just really speaks for itself um, in, in that one. i tell you what, the one I like is because, and it is different, it... I like the, I just like because of where it sits, and I, and I find myself watching it every year. I love Mississippi, Mississippi State. I love it. <laughs> That's a good one. I, yeah. You're full from all the turkey all day. I'm still eating dessert at that time of night, and it's just you know that game is on, and I, and, I, and I'm watching it. You know, you're hungover from some NFL football during the day, but that game Thanksgiving night, I think that that's what it is. If that game was played rivalry week Saturday, it would get lost in the shuffle to me, mm-hmm. but being by itself on Thursday night at Thanksgiving, it always stands out to me. So that one, you know, kind of different just because of where it's at uh, there. And then for a fifth one, I, I'm, I'm torn. Uh, probably Alabama-Auburn. I probably lean that way. Uh, just the, the, the hate those two teams have and, and the drama we've had in that game and the outstanding plays and teams finding ways to win uh, in, in, in that game. Um, Ohio State-Michigan probably should be up there too. I, I, and look, of course I'd put Florida, Florida State, Florida, LSU uh, in a top five personally for me. But if I'm going to just kind of widen the scope and just say just pure college football, uh, I'll, I'll throw Alabama-Auburn in that fifth spot. Okay, right on. Uh, Spencer, do you have uh, – what are yours, man? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty chalk here. Uh, Iron Bowl, um, I, you know, getting a chance to see that one every single week. And like David mentioned, you've got all the crazy plays, two pick sixes. Uh, in a in, in one ball game and to to knock off uh, Alabama and the pick sixes or the kick six as well there always seems to be that one doesn't matter either the record books can be out of the um, you can throw those out the window as well that somehow or another something is liable to happen in that ball game um, Army Navy of course the you know patriotic and um, sort of speaks for itself like David mentioned um, Georgia and Florida grown up a Georgia fan so. Uh, that ball game's always been pretty big. My dad's a Florida fan as well, so we uh, tend not to speak to each other this week. And uh, yeah, there you go. And so uh, Red River is the next one. Again, David touched on a lot of uh, the things there that that just seems to be wild and crazy each and every year. Neutral site. There's always something uh, interesting going on in that ball game. And then I'm glad that CJ brought it 
you know, he sort of put a a personal spin on it. My my final one is the uh, the battle for the peach basket in Division Two, which is actually happening this weekend. Uh, our VSU Blazers and uh, West Georgia, a school up in Carrollton, are playing this weekend, and uh, it's a battle for the peach basket. And in 2018, it came down to the final week of the season. Both teams were ranked uh, in the top 10, top five. We almost got ESPN College Game Day to come to town. There were 10,000 people at the at the ball game. 10,555, I think, was the number. And Gulf South Conference was on the line. The number one seed in the playoffs was on the line. It was uh, it was a pretty epic event, and we won that ball game, kind of going away, and had a uh, had a really good night celebrating with the uh, the Gulf South Conference Championship and the uh, Peach Basket. Right on. Talk about VSU twice on this podcast this week. Awesome. Well, you know, trying to help it out. Can can yeah. I stretch it out there? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, for me, um, my number one is actually the Golden Shillelagh. Like I. I love the. I, I, you're going to see this that I, I love the. I love the rivalries that have trophies or obscure trophies to them. Um, love the USC Notre Dame uh, rivalry. Georgia Florida obviously. Um, Army Navy um, <clears throat> is is one that I just again it's just so awesome to watch. Um, the the next game has to be Red River uh, Texas Oklahoma, and then for my fifth one like. This is just a obscure one that I just love watching because it's so freaking cool watching these big burly dudes. Uh, with beards and uh, and it's snowing you normally and go pick up Paul Bunyan's axe. Um, Minnesota versus Wisconsin is 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 my fifth one because I I don't know have y'all ever I'm sure y'all seen that before right like it's usually like the two biggest offensive linemen run over to the sidelines and grab Paul Bunyan's axe and hold it up in the air. I just love that. I think it's awesome. Yeah, a lot of great imagery. Yeah, all those yeah. big all those Big Ten rivalries and their trophies. Yeah, the 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 bucket that has the what's that bucket called? Big brown has, jug. Yeah. Well, don't they have a bucket with like chains that come off of it too? I don't know about that one, but I know about the big brown jug. And then you know the SEC, what probably what the the, the biggest trophy game is what the boot with Arkansas and LSU. Mm-hmm. That yep. That's a good call. Yeah. About the only one that has a that has a trophy that's somewhat symbolic in the SEC. Yeah. Uh. So thank thank you for the listeners uh, for sharing those thoughts. Thanks guys for doing yours and. Uh, this week, as we already said, we have an awesome, awesome guest in David Waters from the Gator Breakdown. Uh, he let us come on to his podcast yesterday, um, tonight being Wednesday. So he let us come on Tuesday and kind of break down Georgia for you know um, a little bit. And tonight, we kind of wanted to show the same respect and let him kind of break down Florida for us a little bit. Um, so, uh, Spencer, go ahead, bud. Well, I guess we'll start at the most important position, and uh, that's quarterback. And, David, I was listening to somebody talk earlier – sorry – I was listening to somebody talk earlier about, you know, it's going to come down to which team can make the other quarterback kind of put them in the most pressure from a not just pass rush standpoint, but from a play from behind or make them do a whole lot, throw the ball more than they want to kind of stuff. You know, JT Daniels is banged up a little bit, so, you know, they would love to keep his pitch count down. And I think in a matchup for Florida as well, they are going to want for – uh, both of their quarterbacks to be in very favorable passing situations uh, all game long and never really have to feel the pressure or at least minimize the pressure. How do you feel about uh, you know just that quarterback spot? Obviously, it's the most important, and then that kind of idea of um, keeping things as cool, calm, and collected as possible uh, for this ball game. Yeah, you know, for Florida, it, it it is all about who is going to start, who's going to play more. Uh, Anthony Richardson, if this would be his first start, okay, well, it's, here you go. Use your first start, and here's the best defense in the country. <laughs> so yeah. there's enough pressure luck. right there in and of itself. And <laughs> when you 15s, you know, 15s on the clock, first quarter, 
or you know, 1457, however long your kickoff takes or whatever. Here you go, your first nap of your career as a starter. Here's the, here's one of the best defenses we've ever seen. So pressure right away. And look, he'll put some pressure on himself, of course, because it's uh, the big game. But as far as just the game itself, uh, you know, Georgia will do a lot to, to put the pressure on the quarterback, no, no matter who it is. But uh, you'd have to think Kirby Smart would be, in a way, kind of licking his chops. Okay, okay, here we go. i got a quarterback making his first start. He has shown some good things, but he's not been in this position before. Uh, so, you know, what uh, can we glean from what Anthony Richardson has done sparingly throughout the season, what he did in an expanded role versus LSU the last time he was on the field. You know, did Florida show too much versus LSU? Were they trying to save some of that for Anthony Richardson? I know that was a conversation my co-host and Will and I jokingly kind of saying that, but serious at the same time, it was like, hey, I wonder if this was some of the stuff that maybe Dan Muller was trying to save when he got to the Georgia game, but had to unveil it just a little bit before there. So the pressure is going to be there. Uh, just because of how good this Georgia defense is. And, look, we already saw it at, at one point, if you want to talk about playing from behind. You know, Florida was able to do that uh, versus Alabama. They got down 21-3 to in the first quarter. Uh, Amy Jones was quarterback then and, you know, admirably helped lead a comeback. Uh, but you're not getting down 21-3 to to Georgia with that defense and coming back. I mean, you can forget about it. Yeah, Florida's shown the ability to come back this year. And they do it against, and they somehow do it against Georgia's defense. All the credit in the world to them. You know, just you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Florida's done that. Every time they've played Georgia since Dan Mullen's been coach, they've they've gotten down. 10 nothing in 18, 10 nothing in 2019, 14 nothing last year. You had the offense to come back. You don't need to put that pressure on yourself this year with the quarterback situation Florida has. Yeah, I I I, I agree with you, David. I you know the the game against Bama is the game that I, like if that's the game like if that's the Emory Jones that Florida got week in and week out. Like, there's a really good chance that this is a much better record right now, you know. Well, yeah, um, that's we expected. You know, when that game happened, we were like, okay, you know, maybe Florida Georgia's a little closer than what we thought they were going to be, but you know, Florida didn't hold their end of uh, the bargain up. So, what, like, just talking about the quarterback, okay? I'm not talking about the result, but like quarterback wise, like, what is your expectation um, for for even for both of them? Because we know both of them are going to play probably. Like, what's your expectation? You know, what, what helped lead that comeback versus Alabama was Florida didn't panic. You know, it was 21-3 in the first quarter. You had three quarters left to play. Florida stuck with the run game. They had time to stick with the run game. They let the run game help them get back in it. That's another aspect of this. I don't think Florida's going to be able to run on Georgia, at least not like that. You may get something, but you're not going to chunk after chunk play that Florida did versus Alabama. You know, And this is you – know, it could weird things happen, of course, and that's why it would be an upset. That's why it would be weird. You know, we're talking about you know, mostly what we've seen this year, what, what teams have put on film so far this year. Uh, so if we, we kind of go by that, you know, it, it would be – it'd be hard-pressed to, to, to try and lead a comeback like that uh, for, for, for Emory Jones because of the, the, I don't think the run game will be there. So if, with these quarterbacks, of course, you know, Dan Mullen has said all, all year the, the, the difference in these quarterbacks is, you know, they're a little bit more experienced there with Emory Jones than he knows the playbook. But, you know, he still goes out there. He's limited. And the ball's not getting pressed down the field. Uh, a lot of the issues and worries that we heard about Emory Jones coming into the season, that's exactly what we got. You know, we, we saw it the first two games of the season. Did improve a bit, but still some of the issues are there. Uh, uh, a lack of anticipation, a lack of accuracy, uh, not being able to read a defense, not, go, not coming off of his first read. Uh, and, and, we, and we've seen it game in and game out, and it leads to turnovers and, and, and hurts Florida. Now, Anthony Richardson comes in, and you've seen the explosion. You've seen downfield open up. And he still makes his mistakes, but it does look like he's able to make up for his mistakes a bit more. You know, he had two interceptions versus LSU as well, but he also had four straight touchdown drives to help Florida get back in that game. So it opens up the offense. Anthony Richardson does. So if you're going to be limited, just because he doesn't know the playbook, he still can make plays. So if you're going to be limited either way, go with the guy that can open up the offense. Go with the guy that can make the plays. 
So uh, with that in mind, uh, and and if you're going to somebody that can open up the offense, move into the running back slash the uh, offensive line position for Florida and, and, and approaching this, he's going to need help from the ground game. I think Dan Mullen can be creative. He pulled out the option against Alabama. Looking at the running back position, Jones and Richards actually lead the team in rushing yards this season. Um, Davis is at 53, so he's the second leading in terms of attempts. But in terms of yards, the two quarterbacks lead the way. Um, who is there a specific running back you're looking at to maybe lean on in the ground game, or is it by committee? It kind of how does how do you think Dan Mullen needs to approach the running back game? Uh, along with that offensive line to sort of keep things off balance and keep Anthony Richardson or Emory Jones in um, sort of comfortable positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The quarterbacks are definitely going to contribute to the run game a bit with, with Dan Mullen, and especially these two quarterbacks. But running back, it's been by committee uh, all year. And I know you talk to Gator Nation, you talk to Gator fans, and I'll sit there and watch it too. You, you wish sometimes he, Dan Mullen would stick with the hot hand uh, a bit more. And Damian Pierce has one game where he's the best running back, and and, and you can just tell. Um, Malik Davis has had that as well. Naquan Wright had that as well. Each guy's kind of had their game that you could point to, and you wish inside of that game, I know Dan Mullen likes to rotate them, and those guys need to be fresh at the end of games. He probably relies too much on that. He needs to ride with the hot hand so much. And for me, that's Damian Pierce, at least as far as consistency goes. Very rarely is he tackled for a loss. He's a running back that's always falling forward. You know, two yards is better than nothing, or two yards is better than a loss. But you're still bigger chunk plays are still coming from Naquan Wright and, and Malik Davis, uh, th- those two running backs there. And a lot of it was because this offensive line has gotten better uh, in run blocking. They struggled the last couple of years uh, in, in this run game, and you know they've been able to hit some chunk yardage plays that was really lacking uh, the last couple of years. The offensive line's been banged up. They should be much healthier than if they had played this game last week. Each starter for Florida on the, on the offensive line has kind of just been banged up, missed some times, missed some games. Um, and you know they've been able to build a couple guys for depth uh, that have come a long way. So far, it's a little deeper than I think they, what they thought they might be at offensive line. But still, there's a level of play that's not there. But earlier in the season, you could tell Florida was much better running the ball. And what I, and I'll put a baseball term out there for it. Florida's been able with their run game. Besides Anthony Richardson and him and him in the quarterback position and hitting some of those those explosive plays, there's a lot of guys that can hit a lot of doubles and triples, and they're still missing that home run threat. At, at, at running back. So we'll see, you know, how they match up. This Georgia defensive front is, I, I think, going to give this Florida offensive line some issues. I think Florida could have some success, could, in, in the run game. It won't go crazy. Uh, they'll have to be consistent with it, you know, and maybe stay patient with it. Um, but, you know, Florida's not going to run up and down uh, up and down the field on Georgia. It's, it's just not going to happen. You're going to have to pick your spots. And Dan Mullen can usually come up with something. So misdirection, try and keep a defensive line off balance, keep them guessing so they can't really just pin their in back, ears back and get back into the backfield. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see how healthy Florida is up front. And if there is a running back that gets hot, that's getting the yards, see if Dan Mullen actually sticks with them. Rob, you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I, I didn't really have anything to add. Because, <laughs> like, like, the, the question, like, the next follow-up generic question would be, you know, how many rushing yards does Florida need to, you know, be keep this close? And I just, uh, you know, just by what David said, I, I don't know if there is a number there. I think it's, I think you, I think you need home run plays. You don't need, you yeah. don't need more yards. That, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah. How many first downs can they convert? You know, when it's third and two. Yeah. And Florida's going to run the ball. Can, can they do it? And you know, there's probably a number out there, but you know, like you said, I mean, we'll probably come up with two completely different numbers that Florida needs. Right now, it really is just about can you do enough to keep the chains moving, and can you hit a big play uh, every now and then? You know, we talk about these running backs, and they were big in the passing game last year. Uh, and you know, is that going to be a factor? Because I don't, I don't think Florida's going to run on Georgia too much. 
But they also, in the passing game, they're going to have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands fast, but more times than not. I, I, I love you, Travis Starting out. <laughs> Florida's going to have to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand, and some of that's going to be, you know, flares and swings out to the running backs to, to, to help, you know, slow down this, this Georgia defensive front. So, you know, it may not look like it did last year with the types of the type of way the running backs are getting the ball in the passing game, but I do think we'll see, you know, Dan Mullen trying to get those guys outside a little bit and see if they can hit a big play through the passing game. So on the receiver end of things and, and getting the ball out quickly to those running backs, maybe that would help to cr- pull the defense forward and then maybe you can go over the top. It looks like Jacob Copeland has been the downfield threat this season, 18 yards per catch. Nobody else is really close to that. Uh, talk Lead off with Jacob Copeland and then sort of maybe is there somebody else you're waiting on to break out? Wells, Shorter. Um, is it, you know, Gamble at the tight end spot? Is Henderson on the cusp of something? Is there somebody getting revved up? Is there somebody sort of that you're really excited about at that wide receiver position? And if they were to step up this weekend, it could really uh, make a difference. Yeah, and what we've seen with Richardson was, you know, especially in that LSU game, if we're going to take that as, a, as an example, more guys started getting involved. You know, the tight ends have kind of been overlooked this year, except for the Alabama game for the most part. And once Richardson comes back on the field uh, and, and leaves some drives, more guys got uh, involved. And you mentioned shorter and hit or uh, Copeland and his stats. This is the why this is why a lot of Gator fans and I and I've been I put this stat together last within the last week of why they think a move should be made. Emory Jones to Jacob Copeland, 13.2 yards per completion. Anthony Richardson to Copeland, 30.3 yards per completion. Wow. Over double. And 30 yards down the field with a completion. So that lets that that gets your number one receiver involved more and it gets your number one receiver involved down the field. Emory Jones has only thrown one touchdown pass at Jacob Copeland all year. Anthony Richardson, in his limited time, has three already. And he has one more yard completion. Richardson and Copeland, 212 yards. Jones and Copeland, 211. Jones is 16 of 25. Richardson, 7 of 9 to Copeland. So it lets you know the explosive play. It opens up with Anthony Richardson. It really helps your number one receiver, Jacob Copeland. And I think that's what you'll, you know, that's what what is going to be needed uh, to, to attack this Georgia defense. Uh, and it, it, but nobody's really been able to consistently uh, attack them down the field. And uh, we'll, 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 you know, it's going to need to be in the arsenal for Florida. Florida's not going to be able to drive the ball 10, 11 play drives to, to beat Georgia. They're going to have to have their explosives. And numbers show it opens up with Anthony Richardson and it opens up where your number one receiver gets involved. It gets involved even more and gets involved down the field. Uh, and, and I do look, the ball to be spread around just a bit more when Richardson's out there if he's going to be the quarterback uh, for, for the majority of this game. Um, I can't really pinpoint a second receiver. I, I don't think that I think would break through. I, I was going to ask you about Gamble. There you go. I, I was going to go to tight ends. Uh, I, I think it helps them. I, I think it becomes where those guys or will become more involved in the passing game. It really just it gets more people involved. I guess I should say. I, I think Richardson's out there. He he goes. To, it's crazy to see over a fourth year quarterback like Amber Jones, but Richardson goes to goes through his progressions more. He'll actually go to a second read, his third read. And like I said, he'll actually pull the trigger on taking the ball down the field. So I think more guys you know, will, will get involved. That probably will benefit Florida uh, somewhat going against this Georgia defense. I I wanted to ask a question. I think I think we're going to probably transition to the defense here in a second. But like David, like, and I've watched every game, you know, but I don't analyze it the way you and Will do. Is there anything to suggest that maybe play calling is a little more is a little different between the two quarterbacks, or is it really just as simple as? This quarterback's making more plays when the other isn't. You know, go to Kentucky game, uh, and you can watch the film where there are guys open that Emory Jones just doesn't see, doesn't pull the trigger. He loves to hit trap. He loves for his receivers to turn around and look at him, and he throw the numbers. 
it, it's different with, with Richardson. And, and, and Robbie, I don't think the play calling is that much different. But if it is different, then that lets that, that tells me all I need to know. If you trust your younger quarterback to open up the offense and go down the field, then why aren't you playing? If the play calling is that much different, then that tells me that tells me my answer. That tells me who you need to play. So switching over to that defensive side of the football, um, Georgia has said plenty of times, Kirby has said plenty of times, we have to have a mobile quarterback. Not necessarily Anthony Richardson, but we need to have a guy that can move around, that can be mobile, that can get away from pressure, help the offensive line out a little bit when pressures break down and when teams really come after that quarterback position. It was JT Daniels' knee last year, it's his lap this year, and it's different things for Stetson Bennett. So pass rush seems to be one of the things, at least coming into the season, that Florida was really excited about on uh, on their defense and sort of repositioning some of those tackles and then moving people back out to the defensive end spot. Talk a little bit about that and how that's gone so far this season and how you feel about how it matches up with uh, Georgia this weekend. Yeah, Historically, it makes me not feel all that great. You know, Florida's under Todd Grantham. They've been able to sack left and right. But they haven't been able to get the sacks in the big games. And it's always light versus Georgia. Uh, in 2018 and 2019, those games combined, Florida only had one sack. And they did get three last year, but we know the Georgia offense took a step back. But when the, when the Georgia offense has been competent, Florida, Todd Grantham's defense has had trouble getting to the quarterback. And look, I mean, it was 2019, Florida had almost they had 49 sacks on the year. It was astronomical number. And they had, I think, sacked Georgia once. And I think the one sack in between the 2018-2019 games, I think the one came in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. You know, so Florida right now, they're third in the SEC. They're 16th in the country. They're 21 sacks on the season. Um, but, you know, what do you do in the big games? Are you going to be able to get to JT Daniels and or Stetson Stets Bennett? Um, I think in a way, just because of that, uh, maybe there's an advantage of, if Daniels is in the game, you might know where he's at just a bit more compared to JT Daniels. And, and then, you know, Stetson also, he'll, he'll, he'll run that zone read a couple times and, and have a keeper and run it for 15, 20 yards. Uh, and I think in re, in relation to that, it will eventually maybe slow down the Florida pass rush to where they're not as sure uh, if the quarterback is going to have a keeper and, and run around the edge. So um, until I see Florida on a consistent basis against a really good offensive line, yeah, they can rack up sacks versus FAU, USF, and you know, Vandy and the Tennessees of the world. Uh, but what do you do in, in, in these bigger games? I'll have to see it more consistent before. I know the numbers say Florida can get to the quarterback, and I like the talent there. I like what Zachary Carter brings to the table. Uh, Brenton Cox has shown some steps. You know, his, his issue is still more, and you guys know it's still more in the run game and, and holding an edge and and that. You know, getting to the quarterback, he's he's shown ability there, and he's he's raised his level of play there. He's a better player this year. Still looking for that consistency there uh, from from Brenton Cox, but Carter. Uh, Cox, those guys have been able to get to the quarterback. So, you know, Florida will, will need it. Uh, we'll need it even more. But that front, it's all about stopping that Georgia run game. So, for, for me, whenever I watch you guys, like I'm uh, – and you may completely disagree with this, and I didn't even tell you I was going to talk about this. But, like, uh, if, I look at, if I look at a certain position group on that defense that I'm kind of, like, impressed with, it is the linebackers overall. Like, I like how they move. I like how they play. They do try to stuff, you know, that they fill gaps when needed. I, I, I think that there is a – I know that y'all talked about this at nauseum on your show, but, like, you know, the defensive play calling has not always been the best. Um, but, like, do you agree that this linebacker core is a good group, that they are a solid group um, for this defense? Or, or is it they're kind of, like, lackluster, and I'm just not seeing it the right way? Um, they had gotten better, shown much improvement, but they're coming off the LSU game right now where they were terrible. Uh, that, oh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's the lasting image right now. 
Um, the Ventrell Miller, the middle linebacker, got hurt uh, in the first game of the season. He's missed, you know, he'll miss the, the rest of the season. So your big, true middle linebacker, you didn't really have this season. Uh, then Mamou Diabate transitioned to linebacker last year. This is his second season uh, playing that. And we've seen some improvement there. And, and where Florida has gotten better, they've inserted uh, Tyron Hopper, a linebacker from, from Georgia. And he's the, about the only true linebacker Florida that, that's playing at a consistent uh, consistent pace right now uh, for Florida. And when Ventro Miller went down, you had Jeremiah Moon, who's a six-year player. He's played more of that defensive end, rush, buck, outside linebacker role. Florida had to push him to to middle linebacker uh, a few times this year. It was already in the plans. You saw it when Ventro Miller was out there, but now it's needed even more because of that injury. Uh, so you got a good core of those three linebackers. I'd like to see him on the field at the same time. And you know, Grantham doesn't adjust a whole lot. Uh, doesn't play three linebackers a whole lot, but we saw it a little bit this year, and I thought it helped Florida a bit. Never went to it once versus LSU. You're getting run down your throat. Never saw three linebackers on the field at once. Hopper, Diabate, Moon should have been, all been out there together. Instead, Todd Grantham would rather have played a, a safety as a third linebacker and one that just keeps missing tackle after tackle after tackle. No adjustments uh, there. So they've done some good things. They have improved this year. It's just a lasting image of not being able to stop the same play versus LSU over and over again. They got pushed around, couldn't fill a gap, couldn't come off of a block, would miss a tackle if they got there, mostly because they were out of position and basically lunging at legs. Um, they've gotten better. They've got to find, Now they've got to find a way to get back there. They've got to find a way to bounce back after a disappointing performance a couple weeks ago. Georgia's going to want to try to push the field, especially if JT Daniels is out there and try to stretch the field. Um, but before I get to the defensive backs, you mentioned the missing of tackles. I know that's been a conversation this week and will continue to be a conversation for this ball game. Missing tackles has been a problem this year. Uh, I want to say missing tackles was a problem last year. Sort of, yep. you know, talk about missing tackles and sort of what the conversation has been and kind of, I almost don't know exactly how to ask a question about missing tackles because it's obvious you don't want to do that. Where yep. where do you feel like Florida's having an issue with missing tackles? Is it effort or is it just not being in the right spot? Is it bad angles? Is What is it? It's mostly bad angles to me. Um, there is a lack of physicality a little bit too. I think plays into it. Uh, but you know that, that's a magic question. Uh, and you, you can sit there and watch a game. And, and look, if you were just to watch a game by itself and not relate it to anything else, if you just watch the Florida game and, and miss tackles, okay, that's on the player. You know, the player missing the tackle. But when it's a consistent issue, I mean, it's pretty much been a consistent issue since Todd Grantham's been here. And you can point to the player a whole lot of missing tackles, but when it's been an issue every season. It eventually falls back on the defensive coordinator. What are you doing to develop tackling? What are you doing to get better in that area? What are you doing in practice to to to, to help your team get better in that area? And if it's a consistent issue for now four years, that, that that's on the defensive coordinator. That, that that's on the coach there. So, and I, they ask a lot of these players in a lot of one-on-one situations. There's not a lot of gang tackling with this Florida defense. You don't see a lot of pursuit to the ball. Um, it's just uh, a defense that, to me, asks too much of guys to make plays in space. Uh, and there's just been no really adaptation to help the to help these players you know they struggle in it they, they they've shown they they've shown that they struggle in it and it's still an issue and still very little help there so um i don't know how you make it better i mean you can I, i'm sure it's been stressed i'm sure they've brought it up plenty of times because it's been an issue so much uh, and they talked about it again this week because of what happened versus lsu it had two weeks to get get ready for it a lot of it's mindset if, if you're talking about the player and look when usually when it's this bad it takes both sides it takes player and it takes coaching uh, but it's been an issue for four years now. It's uh, it ultimately falls on the coach, and I'm not sure there's really an easy answer. Some days it'll be good, some days it'll be bad. There's 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 not a lot of consistency with it, but it is most of the time 
more negative than it is positive. Yeah, I like. I mean, this is probably a bigger question for at the end of the year, and so you don't have to you don't have to have a long answer on this. But like, what is something Grantham does do well that could be that could change the way this game goes? Hmm. Ooh, you got me there. <laughs> I'm not yes, gonna, I'm not you gonna... do interviews all for two weeks on this thing, and I come up with a question you yeah. were, couldn't think of. Praise God, I figured it out. Part of it is I think he does much well. Yeah, I mean that's just the the, the where we're at right now uh, with, with Todd Grantham. I think you know I, I'm not a big fire a coach guy. I'm not. I, I'm usually one of the the last people on a train to fire a coach. Um, Todd Grantham should have been like he should not be defensive coordinator at Florida in 2021, but he is. Uh, and that's just that's just the reality of it. Uh, you know, I, I just don't I don't think there's a lot of good that he brings. And look, I mentioned the sack numbers. See, okay, it may be pressure on the quarterback is good. It's just like I said, I got to see it in a big game that matters. And the sacks are nice and all, but you know, if it's a close game, I mean, go back to 2019, Florida, Georgia. You know, it's a close game. It's a one-score game, but, I mean, quarterback's not getting dirty. His jersey's clean all game. Uh, and you're able to convert third down after third down because you can't get to the quarterback. You know, Florida had 49 sacks that year and couldn't get to the quarterback versus Georgia, couldn't get back to, couldn't get to the quarterback versus LSU. So, yeah, overall, you know, pressuring the quarterback, getting into the backfield, creating havoc is all good, but I just got to see it equating to a big game. And then, uh, I guess, lastly, uh, just to kind of keep up with the position groups, um, that defensive backfield. Obviously, there were there were issues last year with you know misassignments and and being super young as well, if I remember right. So, how has that group looked this season in terms of uh, progressing and maybe getting better? Have they gotten better? How do you feel about the defensive backfield? And if Georgia is going to try to stretch the field, what does that matchup look like for uh, from the Gator perspective? Yeah, in defending the pass, they have gotten better. They they still struggle at times breaking down a run play in front of them uh, and being that last line of defense. And you know they'll give up a big run uh, there. But as far as just pass defense goes, they they have gotten better. And part of it's because you know Kyrie Elam got injured uh, versus Alabama and then went on to miss three three games. Uh, let me see, Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. They missed three games, so that allowed Jason Marshall, a five star true freshman, and Avery Helm, uh, who's in his second year. It, those guys were quarterback one and quarterback two uh, for, for, for three games. And it really helped those guys come along because Florida had some injuries in the secondary in preseason camp. They lost their quarterback two, which was going to be Jaden Hill. So the guy that I just mentioned, Marshall and Helm, had to fill in uh, for, for that second quarterback spot. Then Elam goes down. And those guys who you weren't really counting on being starters in, when preseason camp opened up are now starting three games in the SEC. So, in a way, it ended up helping Florida because those guys had to grow up fast. They, they, they did get better in, in that stretch. Jason Marshall, I think, is going to be a – he's going to be the next in a, in a, line, in a long line of DBs that's going to be you know, really good at Florida, uh, taking over for Kyrie Elam, I think, next year in that cornerback one spot. But you got Kyrie Elam back now. you got uh, you know, some depth there at cornerback now. Florida still struggles in that nickel role as far as tackling goes. There's not a – you know, Travez Johnson, he's the main starter at the nickel star position for the, for Florida, and he leads the SEC in missed tackles. Uh, you know, we talked about tackling there. Uh, so, you know, Florida hasn't been able to figure out that nickel star position ever since Chauncey Gardner-Johnson left in 2018. It's just been an issue, uh, a, a, a position issue that Florida and Todd Grantham haven't been able to solve uh, there. But secondary play has been much better, especially at safety, too. They don't let that big play over the top too often. Uh, it was a big issue last year. They've, they've been able to fix the communication. Guys are on the same page a bit more. Uh, now back there in that defensive secondary. So they, they are improved. They are better. 
It's going to be up to the Florida front for that Georgia run game not to kind of go crazy and they can you know bust those big play action passes. That's what this Georgia offense kind of lives off of once that run game gets going. They can't have their eyes in the backfield. They can't buy on play fakes. They're going to have to play their man, have to play their play their role in this game and, and just limit, especially if Georgia gets that run game going. Try and limit the big play if you can. Where what's who's the who's the Georgia player or or two if you want to the the Georgia player or two on offense that you're just like. Okay, we have to stop him. We have we cannot let him go off. Jermaine Burton playing? Yes, all. Uh, <laughs> yes, Jermaine Burton's playing. Him? <laughs> yeah, I don't care how much time he's missed. He to me, I think he's still. You know what he was able to show previously before injuries and in, in years prior. I, I think he's he's a lightning bolt for this Georgia offense. And I'm having a hard time between Zamir White and James Cook. I think Cook can be that utility player that really gives Florida some matchup issues. But I'll probably lean Zamir White because I'm going back to that 75-yard run at <laughs> the first first touchdown for Georgia last year. Uh, and I think you know, Georgia's going to lean on the run game. Uh, and they, Florida's going to have to stop Zamir White. They cannot let him go off because that's just going to set the rest of the offense up. Uh, and whether JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett maybe has an off day, if White gets going, it's still going to make the quarterback's day easier. Uh, so Zamir White, and then if he gets going – a pass down the field to, to one of those receivers, mainly Jermaine Burton's father, who I'm looking at with him coming back uh, and maybe you know, it, making a statement in, in a game back. But, of course, Bowers, uh, the tight end who leads for, for Georgia with all the reception categories there. Of course, him, but if Burton's back, that's uh, you know, not, well, not a lot of film this year and how Georgia would probably use him. That would be the worry for me. Um, how many – obviously knowing that the Georgia defense is as tough as it is and things have been a struggle a little bit at times – on offense, maybe not necessarily scoring, but there have been question marks and different things. How many points do you think Florida needs uh, to win the ball game uh, on Saturday? That's a good one. Um, Got to be in the high twenties. Yeah, you know, if Florida's scoring, that means they probably can limit Georgia's possession somewhat. Uh, so I'm looking at a high, uh, a high twenties. I'm not so sure Florida can reach it. Uh, that, that's where I think Florida will have to hit. Florida will have to hit a in that 27-point range, I think, to have a chance to win this game. I don't think Florida can get that, um, but that, that that is a number. I don't think it's unattainable, but I think a lot of things would have to go the way we haven't seen them go this year. Something something weird, something quirky would have to, <laughs> to have to happen. I do think the explosiveness can with Anthony Richards can open up this offense a bit more, and maybe there's some wrinkles and in, in part of a game plan Dan Mullen hasn't necessarily showed with Richardson. That might lead to a, a score here or there. The only way Florida gets to 27 is that you know, they got to get two quick scores at the beginning of the game somehow, some way, uh, and put some pressure on Georgia, make them taste their own blood a bit that they haven't tasted this year. Uh, if you can get a couple quick scores, I think Florida can get it. But Florida's not going to go knock down, drag out all game long and, and get to that high 20 mark. So so for me to kind of wind this down and, and get to our, our picks, um, I kind of just want to talk about motivation for a second. Yeah. And... Um, you know, I'll I'll give the Georgia perspective of where I think they are, and I would love David if you would you know kind of kind of tell me where you think Florida is. Um, this this Georgia team, I mean, I really do think they've been on this revenge tour. You know, like last year, you know, when um, Jordan Davis announced he was coming back, it was hashtag revenge tour, hashtag unfinished business. And you know, like every player says that, right? You know, no no one's surprised by those kind of platitudes. But the thing is, like this this defense at least is playing at a level like they really do mean it. Like they, they are like the number is astronomical. I think as far as points allowed this year, I think the next closest is like 60 points away from how many points they've allowed this year. Um, and look, I understand the offenses they've played have not been 
the most stellar. Um, but you know what? You got to just beat the brakes off the teams you play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, when it comes, you add in just kind of their mentality for the whole season, but then you tack on the revenge factor for for last season. And, and the revenge factor, I mean, okay, and I went back and looked at this today. So, and I'm sure you remember this, David. I know you do, Spencer. Rosemi breaks his ankle. We lose we lose three DBs over the course of that game. Tyreek Stevenson does come back um, in the second half, but he is out for a quarter. So two DBs are out for the game um, in that game. Jordan Davis doesn't play. Lewis Seen is uh, is out. Um, Lewis Seen gets knocked out because he tries to take the soul of Kyle Pitts. Um, and uh, you know uh, Richard LeCount, I think it's the week of, is in a car accident. So he doesn't even get to play in this game. George Pickens doesn't play in this game. So I do think that there is I don't know if there I don't know if there's a game this season that Georgia will be more motivated for than this game. And and I could be completely wrong, but I really do think the mixture of like I said this up the season's mentality in general, but then just tack on everything that happened last year in that Florida game where David, you know I you know how I feel about that game like it doesn't matter who is playing quarterback like we were losing that game. Um but yeah, I I think that I think that Georgia is going to be in this very high level motivation for four quarters. Um, so, like, kind of, what do you think about that, and where do you where do you think Florida is? Yeah, I agree with that with, with Georgia. They got a lot to play for. Uh, you know, I, being the number one team, you, you got to keep it going. You can't. Uh, you got to keep the pedal to the metal uh, there. For Florida, you know, it's the, the second time they're playing the number one team in the country. They played Alabama earlier in this year, uh, and you know, find a way to fall back and, and make that a game. You're playing the number one team in the country again. Uh, it's your rival. Uh, the motivation should be there. Uh, there should be probably a little bit of desperation uh, for, for Florida there that plays into motivation. Uh, there, so I do wonder, I think the motivation would definitely be there early. You know, if Florida gets down, uh, I, I can see the roller coaster and just not coming back up. You know, it, it stays at the bottom of the hill and never comes back up. I'm not sure, you know, for two reasons. I think Georgia's really good. If they get up, I'm not sure if Florida could come back anyway. And I would not, I'm not sure where the mindset of the team would be uh, if that was the case either. So it you know, may be a quarterback switch uh, helps in that regard. Uh, and you know, guys want to start playing for each other and, and playing for a young quarterback, making a change, feeling like they probably have a chance uh, at, at making some plays and, and leading the comeback. But I do wonder the psyche uh, of this Florida team right now. They've heard it, you know, all the negative uh, the last couple of weeks. And you know, there's one way to, 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 to make the negative go away. And that's go out there and have a good performance versus Georgia and maybe try and come up with an upset uh, along the way. But, you know, Florida – uh, I think the motivation would be fine going in the game, uh, but early on, you know, Florida's going to have to stay in the game. I think to keep that motivation level pretty high. Rob, I'm 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 good. Uh, I don't I don't necessarily have anything else to add. Is there anything else you wanted to add, or or David, anything else you wanted to add about something that maybe we've missed that you think is going to be really important on Saturday? Um, I mean. Maybe. You know, maybe Dan Mullen. I mean, you know, what are we going to be able to read anything from Dan Mullen in this game? All right, that's, you know, I, I kind of I hate looking at body language and trying to make a, a determination on anything. But, you know, if Florida comes out and just gets lambasted again, then what's going to be the, you know, what's going to be the, the, the talk of Dan Mullen? What's going to, you know, if the camera's on Dan Mullen, what's his reaction going to be? And we'll probably read way too much into it. Uh, but, you know, what does he, can, you know, what does he put together? You know, a lot of people talk Dan Mullen, you know, it's the level of competition, and we've seen it this year. You know, be able to play up versus Alabama, lose that game by two. Um, the week before, Tennessee starts really looking good. Florida holding the 14 points and, and, and able to put points up on Tennessee, and then Tennessee goes on to do some good things uh, for, for a couple games. But then you play down to 
Uh, you know, you, yeah, 42 nothing versus Vanderbilt, but you know, that game was a lot closer at halftime than it should have been, and Florida should have been having an easier time with Vanderbilt than they should have. And then, you know, the the inconsistency all season with Kentucky and LSU, you know, what 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 does Dan Mullen put together? You know, is it, and is it is it because there's a desperation there? Is it you know because it's a big game and he feels like he you know for whatever reason feels like he just gets up more for this game and game plans better? So I, I think the storyline surrounding Dan Mullen coming into the game, during the game, after the game, that's something I'm really 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 going to be looking at. All right, it's time, boys. Let's make a decision. Um, David, you're our guest, man. I put you on the spot like what what is what's your prediction here yeah i got a 34 17 georgia victory i think it looks kind of like those auburn kentucky games you know florida will be a little kind of scrappy there in the first half i think uh they may have one of those you know signature damn mullen type of plays uh they'll have some success with uh and it'll be a close game at halftime but georgia's gonna be way too much they'll make the right adjustments uh they'll they'll confuse a young quarterback anthony richardson too many times uh, and that run game would just eventually take over uh, in the second half, stretch a lead. Uh, and by the time fourth quarter starts, you'll you'll kind of know where this game's heading. What about you, Spence? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe something similar to um, potentially the the Arkansas game in terms of Georgia maybe gets up early and then sits on it, and and you end up with a final close to what maybe it was for like David said, Kentucky or the Auburn game, and you have the opportunity, and maybe Florida does some things to keep things close, uh, keep it from getting too far out of hand. But I think maybe Georgia gets a lead, or as soon as they get the lead, they sit on it and they they leave it there. And, and Kirby kind of continues not to push it when he doesn't have to, especially if you know he's still nervous about exactly where JT Daniels is with his injury, or if he's going with Stetson Bennett. He's been very, you know. Um, play it safe even with Stetson Bennett out there at times. So I'm kind of thinking as soon as a lead is is up, if if excuse me, as soon as a lead is established, if one is, then I think Kirby sits and, you know, sort of plays that old school uh, Alabama days uh, kind of uh, approach. So for for me, I you know, I said this on on David's podcast and I've kind of thought it all week. Um I I think Georgia does win this game. I, I don't necessarily think it's it's going to be close in the sense like I don't think that the game's going to be in doubt but there's just I, I think that this team this Florida team has their back desperately against the wall Dan Mullen I think as a coach you know to, to David's point earlier I think he has his back against the wall as well regardless if he'll ever ever admit that um you know and of course he wouldn't but I mean who would uh, uh but I do think that Florida is going to keep this game closer than a 14 and a half point spread and I, like I I could easily see this game coming down to like a a 30, 30, 34, 34, 20, 34, 20, 24, something like that. Um, you know, like the point spread right now is 14 and a half. And I just think that might be a bit too much for this kind of game because I do think there is so much kind of desperation for um, for this Florida team. And so I, I do think Georgia wins, but I, I think it's I think it's under that 14 and a half point spread. Very good. Well, uh, David, we appreciate you joining us. Here on a on a rich tradition, it's always good to talk to you. Always good to have you on, and we appreciate all the insight. And uh, we look forward to a big game this weekend, and we look forward to uh you know to having you back uh you know in the future. Sounds good, guys. Thank you much for having me. All right, that's our guest, David Waters. You can find him on Twitter, Gator Dave underscore SEC. 
Again, Gator Dave underscore SEC. Uh, we appreciate him joining us here on a Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn or Spencer underscore Van Horn, Spider Dude 64 for uh, Robbie Stelton Pole. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We'll catch you on the flip flop later.